O holy night, we praise his name forevermore. The steadfast love of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we anticipate our Savior's birth, welcome to worship. For our visitors and covenant family, Dr. David Weber, our senior pastor, and I, uh, we're thankful to God uh, that you're with us uh, this morning. I am Ron Cox, the executive pastor of the church. For our visitors, we would love to know that you've worshipped with us, whether here in the sanctuary or online uh, through live stream. So we invite you to fill out our brief online connect card that you'll find at rivermont.org slash connect. Uh, this will help us better connect you to ongoing ministry and fellowship opportunities. And if you fill out the card, we'll make a $5 donation to one of our local ministry partners. Uh, you'll be able to choose which one. So please uh Make sure you fill out the card again at rivermont.org slash connect. After today's service, I encourage you, again, whether you are a member of the church or a guest, whether you're joining us on campus or by live stream, to please visit our website, rivermont.org. You'll find out much about who we are in Jesus and also much about our worship, discipleship, and mission. Now, from the Rivermont website uh, and inserts in your bulletin, uh, inserts from last week, and also from uh, emails mailed to you uh, at your home, uh, please look forward to Christmas Eve worship. Um, there is much that is familiar, but many things are new. Uh, we have three services. This is what is familiar uh, this Thursday evening, December 24th. The 5 o'clock service is a family worship service of Lessons and Cares. Uh, carols, especially for families with young children. Then at 7 and 9 p.m., there's worship service with communion and the orchestra. Uh, what is new, though, for this year, Christmas uh, Eve 2020, uh, we will live stream our 7 o'clock worship service. It will also be available on demand uh, through our YouTube channel. We'll have outdoor seating, uh, weather permitting, uh, at during the seven o'clock worship service. This is on the back patio um, out by the back Christmas tree. Overflow seating will be available in the Quinlan room and the John Knox room. The John Knox room is designated for families uh, in the pews, as we do on air each day that we have communion. You'll find these fellowship cups. Uh, there will also be available outside and in the two overflow rooms. So if you're bringing a guest, please make sure that they have assistance with our uh, communion cups as we worship in the 7 and 9 o'clock service. Also unique to Christmas Eve 2020, face mask or face coverings are required for all indoor worship services. Also, we are maintaining six feet of social distancing. Please sit only uh, in the pews where you'll find bulletins uh, that helps us to space properly. We ask you to sign up for the Christmas Eve services to let us know how to plan. Uh, nursery is available for the 5 and 7 o'clock services. Nursery for infants 5 months to 4 years old, uh, pre-K, but sign up is required. So please just be aware of that. And finally, our 7 o'clock service, because of interest from the community, is typically heavily attended. So if you're able to attend the seven, 9 o'clock worship service, uh, please do, do so. And I will say, please pray for God's blessing. Now with the worshiping congregation, please stand for the call to worship from the 146th Psalm.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will bring praises to my God while I have my being. Please be seated and remain seated until I cue you to stand. Today we light the candle of love because we know that Jesus is love. As we remember his great love for us, his people, may we grow in sharing his love with each other. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
1 John 4, 9 through 11. May we grow in love as we await Christ's return. One privilege of God's redeeming grace is the experience of his love through Jesus Christ through the assurance of forgiveness of our sins as we confess our sin before him. So will you please join me in the the call to confession? This is responsively uh, spoken from 1 John chapter 1 as printed in your bulletin. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Before our corporate prayer, would you please confess uh, your particular sins in silence before the throne of grace? Dear Heavenly Father, please hear our silent confession of sin through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us now pray together. Almighty and Holy Father, we acknowledge and confess that we have sinned against you by our deeds, by our words, and by the sinful affections of our hearts and minds. We have not loved you wholeheartedly, nor our neighbors as ourselves, nor one another as Christ has loved us. We confess our sins of selfishness and pride, ingratitude and envy, faithlessness and willful disobedience, and all the ways that we have displeased you by our forgetfulness of your love and power. Our only hope is in your mercy and grace. 
Forgive us, O Father, according to the promise of the Gospel. We look again to Jesus Christ, Your Son, our Savior, who came into the world to save us from our sins. We plead His blood shed for us for the cleansing of our sins. We plead His righteousness as our own by Your grace alone. And through Him, we seek the assurance of Your steadfast love and mercy and the renewing power of the Holy Spirit so that we may now follow Jesus more faithfully and serve You more fully, living for Him who died and rose again for us, who now reigns at Your right hand for us, to the glory of Your holy name. Amen. God has demonstrated His steadfast love for you and for me in the giving of His Son to die upon the cross. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a propitiation for our sins. Dear family of God, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. As His forgiven and redeemed people, let us stand and sing Alleluia to our King. standing, would you please turn and greet one another with the love of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 136, Psalm 136. Now this morning is the fourth Sunday of Advent and we bring to a close this Sunday our year-long study of the Psalms. God alone knew the pains of 2020 and the medicine that the Psalms would prove to be. For we have truly been fed by the emotional and spiritual truth of God's Word. They've given voice to our fears, our apprehensions, our doubts, our anger but also our joy, our hopes, our faith, and our love. The Lord has been 
gracious to use the Psalms for our benefit. And I pray that you would continue to turn to the Psalms as they give divine expression to our most human of emotions. Now, Advent has four themes that we have been rehearsing over the last couple of weeks. The theme of hope, of peace, of joy, and of love. And today we focus on this final theme of love as expressed in Psalm 136. Now this psalm is comprised of 26 verses, all of which end with the exact same phrase, for his steadfast love endures forever. Before we read the psalm, I'll highlight just a few important concepts that will help us better understand and apply its message. And the first is that since the psalm repeats the phrase steadfast love 26 times, we probably need to understand what that means. The Hebrew term underlying the word steadfast love is hesed. It is a rich term which defies a one or two word translation. And therefore, we need to expand our understanding of the term so that we can have a greater comprehension of what the word of God is communicating. Hesed means love expressed through faithfulness to a covenant promise. When a mother takes a second job to make good on a promise to send her son to college, that is hesed. When deacons who make covenant promises to serve the church usher on Christmas Eve night, that is hesed. When you serve in the nursery or teach Sunday school classes, you are showing hesed to our covenant children because in their baptism, you promised that you would do exactly that. Marriages are comprised of thousands of daily expressions of hesed. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. These are not hypothetical outcomes. The marriage relationship gets exponentially more complicated after the wedding ceremony. And to ensure that these difficulties do not destroy the relationship, you promise to show your spouse hesed. You promise that you will love them even when it means personal sacrifice. Loved, expressed through keeping a promise is the highest form of love that there is in this world. Even as Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is the type of love spoken of in Psalm 136. Love expressed through keeping a covenant promise. For the Lord entered into a relationship with the people of Israel. He promised to be their God and the God of their children. He promised to bless them and to bless all people through them. And Psalm 136 explains how this steadfast love has come about. Now the second thing that we need to see in this psalm is that the Lord's steadfast love is expressed and experienced in real world events. Events which verse 4 calls great wonders. Great wonders. God's love is not merely a philosophical or metaphysical reality. It is a historical reality. God acts in the world. And what He does is keep His promises. 
The third thing I want you to see as we read this psalm is that each wonder is introduced with the phrase, to him who. So you'll see this as we read through. To him who. Those who hear this psalm are called upon to give thanks to him who accomplishes these particular wonders of covenant faithfulness. And the final thing I want you to note about this psalm before we read it is that it was designed to be read responsively. It was written in a fashion that invites the congregation of God's people to respond to each wonder of God's steadfast love with a declaration of God's steadfast love. And so I'll therefore invite you to corporately recite for his steadfast love endures forever each time that it occurs in this psalm. So here now, the reading of the word of God Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who by understanding made the heavens, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who made the great lights, For His steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For His steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. For His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. For His steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, the king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is He who remembered us in our low estate, for His steadfast love endures forever. 
and rescued us from our foes, for His steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for His steadfast love endures forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. O Creator God, You remind us that the darkness of ignorance and doubt cannot overcome Your life-giving Word. And so we pray, may Your Holy Spirit who first inspired these words of Scripture shine Your light and once again awaken us to the hearing and living of this radiant truth. In Jesus' holy name we do pray. Amen. It's always a good thing to have an older and more experienced friend that can give you some direction in this world. Grace Brown was one of our family's closest friends, even though she was 45 years our senior. Once she related an insight she received when she asked her adult children, she said, honestly, what do you remember as the most disappointing thing that I did as a parent. And she promised that she would not respond defensively, that she would just listen. That's a brave question for a parent to ask their child. And I wonder, how would you respond if your parent asked you that question? She expected something along the lines of a particularly harsh word that was spoken in anger or that she and her husband had been too strict on her children. She thought her children might have resented moving often or being pushed too hard in academics. However, they both said that the most hurtful moments in childhood were broken promises. Grace was taken aback. She wanted to defend herself. What major promises had she made and not kept to her children? But it wasn't the big promises. They talked about how it hurt when they were left at school, for example, or when help on homework was promised but not received, when a special dinner was promised but never made. They could overlook the bigger challenges that we all have in raising our children, the failure that we all inevitably make. However, what they really wanted from their mother and their father was that they would be reliable, that they would keep their word. Hesed. Love expressed through faithfulness to a promise is what we all crave in our relationships. You want the security of a promise made and a promise kept. You yearn for someone you can count on when life is difficult, when someone who no matter the personal cost will love you by their fidelity. The way that we all desire to experience love in this world is through promises made and promises kept. We desire the security to know that the relationships we hold now are not contingent, that they are not vulnerable to the ever-changing tide of this world, that they will hold true, that they are a rock that will hold its place no matter the storms of life. Now, even the most and best intentioned of parents and spouses will fail to keep their promises. No one can show perfect steadfast love 
No one but the Lord alone. Isaiah makes this point through contrast in chapter 49. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Psalm 136 explains to us this steadfast love of the Lord. It teaches us that by God's promises, we have a guide leading us into the future. A rock that will not change, but will endure for the Lord loves his people by making and keeping his promises. The first thing that we see in our psalm for this morning is that we can trust the Lord's promises because He is good and because He is in control. Look again at verses 1 through 3. They say, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. Here, three reasons are given to give thanks to the Lord. He is good, He is God of gods, and He is Lord of lords. This is a powerful truth, that God is good. And it is true by definition. That is, all that is good and beautiful in this world is a mere reflection of God's goodness. For He is good in His very being. We may not understand how He is bringing His goodness to bear upon every moment of our lives. Nevertheless, the eyes of faith see and declare that God has good intentions for His world. And yet, to this truth is added an even more potent reality. That the Lord is God. And that He is Lord of lords. Now this means that God is sovereign. There are no competing forces that could potentially derail the Lord's purposes. And the combination of these two truths are the twin anchors that hold you safe in the storms of life. When you come to hardship that is so overwhelming, you need to know that someone is directing the events of your life. That the world is not spinning out of control. That the Lord is God. There is not a force of fate or evil that has overtaken God's ultimate purposes. And this reason and purpose is good. There are times in life when these two truths don't seem to fit together that you've experienced, I know. There are times when you lose a loved one and you think either God is not in control or God is not good. Because if he was in control, he could have stopped this. And if he is good, then he would not allow such hardship to occur. But by faith, we see what the natural eye cannot see on its own. If we are going to know the steadfast love, then we will have to begin with these two foundational truths. It is these two truths which form the bond of security that we have with our parents. As children, we understand that they have a natural desire for our good. A mother wants to nurture and to protect her infant. And a mother is able to provide these good things, right? She has the ability to procure from the world nutrients and warmth. She has the ability to get a home and to get clothes for her child. Something the child can't do on its own. 
And so there's a bond between child and parent that is formed on the basis that parents have good intentions and that they have the power to execute these intentions. As we age, our simplistic view of our parents begins to mature and we realize that while they are good, they often fail and sometimes their intentions can be less than good. We also begin to see their limitations that they can provide, but they cannot provide all things. And often they may desire to bring good about, but are without the power to do so. But what this psalm is teaching us is that God's goodness and control never comes to an end. The more we learn of our Heavenly Father, the more we see His goodness and the more we experience His control. This is the foundation of God's love for His children. He is good and He is in control. He makes good promises and He has the power to keep them. We experience this steadfast love of the Lord first in His creation. Look at verses 4 through 9. They say, To Him who alone does great wonders for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who by understanding made the heavens for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who made the great lights for His steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day For His steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night. For His steadfast love endures forever. Three wonders are put forward for our examination of the Lord's steadfast love. The creation of the heavens, the creation of the earth, and the creation of the great lights of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, these wonders are examples of God's goodness and of His control. The heavens were made according to his understanding. When you look at the natural world, there is overwhelming reliability built into its very structure, right? We can study this world and deduce physical laws that govern how things work. The world is predictable. We understand that if water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit today, that it will do the same tomorrow. There is a reliability in the world that is not arbitrary, but is built into its very structure. If there were no manner by which you could reasonably predict what would happen next, what would happen in the future, then we would be unable to function in this world. And this is reflected in the stability of the earth's foundations. It's a firm foundation, right? You're not worried that one day the earth is just going to go flying off into space. You're not worried that the world will cease to be able to hold your house up. It stands fast. And the heavenly lights are designed to mark the days and the weeks and the years. The predictability of celestial bodies makes it so that we can know with great certainty what the future will hold. On my weather app, there are two predictions made that I look at. One is extremely fallible and one is infallible. Right? You look to see what the weather might be like next week. And it might say that it's going to rain. It might say that it's going to be high of 55. But who knows whether that's true or not. But you know what? My weather app has never gotten the time of the sunrise wrong. It always gets it right. 
Why? Because the sun always rises when it is supposed to rise. There is no variation. The sun does what it is supposed to do. You can look ahead and know exactly when it will happen. You can look ahead and know exactly when the next full moon will occur, which happens to be, I looked it up, December 29th at 10.28 p.m. is reliable is predictable. And you need to be confronted with this that you take for granted. You take that for granted, but you need to be confronted with the steadfast love of God in this truth. For the creation speaks of the reliability of who God is in His very nature. God created these bodies to act with such regularity and predictability to provide us with a stable environment in which we can live as well as witness to His own faithfulness. In the morning, you should see the sunrise and you should declare the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. Following the great flood in the days of Noah, the Lord made a covenant promise to all of humanity. We remember by the sign of the covenant, the rainbow. And in particular, he promised this. He said, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. This is a promise that God has made and that God has kept. And when you experience the stability of the world, The changing of seasons, the regularity of the sunrise, the predictability of the moon's phases, all of these should cause you to bless the Lord for His hesed, for His steadfast love. Because daily there is a reminder that God keeps His promises. The third thing that we need to see is the Lord's steadfast love in His work of redemption. We saw it in His work of creation and now in His work of redemption. Now in verses 10-26, through there are laid out for us several ways that the Lord shows His steadfast love to Israel. It says that He struck down the firstborn of Egypt. He divided the Red Sea. He led His people through the wilderness. He destroyed kings who opposed them and He led them into possession of the land of Canaan. These are each wonders in the context of a covenant promise. For the Lord had promised Abraham that He would surely give the land of Canaan to His offspring. He made a promise, and He kept His promise. And it was this particular event that became the paradigm through which the people of Israel understood their special redemptive relationship with God. For He had redeemed them from the most powerful nation on the planet. He had humiliated Pharaoh and the whole pantheon of Egyptian gods. And He had miraculously led them through the wilderness, providing for all their needs. Over and over again, the people of Israel looked back on this event as the key witness in their case for faith in God's love for His people. And even to this day, Jews around the world celebrate the Passover. Why? Because when Israel was at their most vulnerable and weak, the Lord kept His promise. He redeemed them. He intervened in history and did what He said He would do. And it was this event that the Lord Jesus also pointed to on the night before His death. For the Lord's Supper was 
instituted during the celebration of the Passover. And Jesus opened the eyes of his disciples to see that they could now see great hesed that was about to occur. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He showed that he was the true Passover lamb and that by his death on the cross, he was redeeming all those who would come to him in faith. You see, this is the type of love that we need in this world. Not fizzy, milquetoast sentimentalism, right? To save us from our captivity to sin and Satan and death, we needed God to keep the promises that He made to save us. We needed God to intervene in history and to perform wondrous deeds of hesed. Following His resurrection, Jesus taught His disciples That all He accomplished was according to the Scriptures. That everything in the Word of God was pointing to Him and to His work of redemption. Every word that is in this book, that is in your Bible, is pointing to Him and His work of salvation. Every word is a promise. And Jesus is the yes to these promises. For God did not merely feel love for His people, but He acted On His love. Through offering up Christ for us. And if you would know the security of God's love in this world. Then you have to trust in His promise of redemption. Made and kept through Christ. So what are we to do with this truth of God's love displayed through keeping His promises? Well first, we need to place our trust We need to stake our lives on God's Word. We need to repent of all the ways that we have rebelled against our Lord. And we need to trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. For God has made a promise to us. Just as Jesus came once, He will come again. That He will intervene in history and He will save all of His people. He will deliver us from this present broken world and will bring us into His eternal home. To know the security of God's love, we must trust in Christ. The second thing that we need to do is that we need to practice steadfast love in our own lives. We need to become a people who do not merely speak of our love for others, but we need to act on that love. We need to begin to bind ourselves to one another with promises And then we need to keep those promises. I've seen this year, maybe more than ever, that people have been caught up in national struggles. We're fearful of the instability and the insecurity of the days ahead. And I wonder, how are you planning on fighting that instability that you find all around you? How are you going to find security in this world? You see, so many of us feel like we need to rage against a force that we really have very little control over, which is the actions of people at the national level or at the state level. And we feel like to have security, we need to rein them in. But the reality is you need to start by making and keeping promises in your family, in your church and in your community. 
You need to be a man of your word and love your wife. And wives, you need to love your husbands. You vowed to do it, so do it. You need to promise your children that you'll help them with their homework and then you need to do it. If you have not joined a church, you need to come before the body of Christ and vow your love for Christ and your submission to the church. And then you need to keep that vow. The way that you're going to find stability and security, the way that you're going to feel and express love is not by changing national political landscapes. It's not by freezing the culture in some obscure date, say the 1950s. Man, if it was just the 1950s, I'd feel so secure because everything was understandable. It is not by controlling everyone else. The way that you will know and experience true love and security in this world is by binding yourself to others through your word and then doing exactly what you said you would do. This is how you experience love. This is how you experience security in this world. By making promises and keeping promises. The psalm ends with one more wonder of the Lord's steadfast love. Look at verse 25. It says, He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Seems like a bit of a mundane way to end this psalm. Right? I mean, we've covered celestial bodies. We've covered the great redemptive events of history, salvation from Egypt, the splitting of the Red Sea, the defeat of great kings. And now to top it all off, God makes you lunch also. Seems an odd way to end. And I was reflecting upon it and thinking and praying, God, why do we end this psalm like this? And upon reflection, I realized that this is the perfect way to end this psalm. Because each day we need to eat. And we're reminded that it is by the hand of the Lord that all of our food comes. It's a reminder of God's love and His hesed. Some of you might know that I have two younger brothers who are adopted. They came from an unbelievably rough background in which daily bread was not always provided. Their parents loved them, but were a little bit too busy with their own problems to feed them lunch. When they came to live with us, food was a big deal. And consistency was novel. For years, the younger of the two would ask each night before bed, we going to have breakfast tomorrow? Sometimes the only thing you need to feel love is the promise that your needs will be taken care of. That those who have made promises to you will keep those promises. That you'll be fed. That you'll be picked up from school. That when you get sick, your spouse won't leave you. That if you preach a long sermon, the members of your church aren't going to get mad at you. Because they vowed. 
Do you want to know the security of love in this world? Do you want to wait with love for the coming of Christ? Then keep your promises. And trust that the Lord has kept His promises to us as well. For in Christ, His steadfast love endures forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we come to you now at this time. Lord, and we are so thankful that your steadfast love endures forever. And that you give to us such a psalm as Psalm 136. To pound it into our heads because we so often forget. We pray that this Advent season... That we would wait with love, loving one another and loving you. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, if you would at this time stand as we come to profess our faith together. In unison, we will recite the Nicene Creed. So I ask you now, Christian, what is it that we believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end and we believe in the holy spirit the lord and giver of life who proceeds from the father and the son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Please be seated. Please consider two invitations as we come to pastoral prayer. Uh, first, join the Rivermont family as we gather together for prayer each Sunday afternoon from 4 until 5. Uh, we use Zoom. Uh, from the homepage of our website at around 4 o'clock, simply click on the weekly Zoom prayer service tab. Second, uh, you may share your prayer and care concerns through the Rivermont secure link, rivermont.org slash prayer. Uh, pastorally, we'll be faithful to pray for whatever prayer request you send. Knowing that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, let us approach his throne of grace in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you everlasting praise and thanks for you are good and your steadfast love endures forever. We bless you for the relationship we enjoy with your son, Jesus Christ, praising you for his life and his sacrifice that secures our eternal redemption and abundant life for your church, even in the uncertain times of life. Please open the eyes of our hearts to rejoice in your steadfast love, which is evident in creation around us and in the redemption you have given us in our Savior. As we look forward to Christmas and the new year with your blessing, may our lives faithfully reflect the covenant bonds we enjoy with you and with one another to the glory of your grace. We ask you to bless our nation our president, his cabinet, our president-elect and his future cabinet, the members of Congress and the judiciary, the many who serve this nation for the sake of democracy and freedom. Please give wisdom and strength to our government leaders and medical community as they labor to serve this land with integrity and compassion. Oh, Father, please bring an end to the coronavirus pandemic. Comfort all who suffer from its effects. Give us your wisdom and unity as we discern your best for worship, discipleship, and mission. As we ask for your wisdom and protection, please also bless the proclamation of the gospel that many would come to trust your Son as God and Savior. Father, we thank you for our partnership with Miriam's house and for their ministry to end homelessness in our community, that they do so by rebuilding and empowering lives of the most vulnerable. We pray that you would bless Sarah Corentado and her team at Miriam's house with your wisdom, your resources and your compassion to help those whom they serve to end physical homelessness and to find their eternal home. In Jesus Christ. With ongoing prayer for those whom we love, we pray your tender mercies and healing might for all who suffer, whether physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Be their rock and fortress, their shield and stronghold. Build their faith, love, and hope as you draw them closer to yourself. This day we pray your healing mercies and peace for Greg Alty, Marie Moore, Chuck and Ann Spruill and Ryan Webb together with their families. May they continue to be a testimony of your redeeming grace in Christ. 
Father, into Your hands, Your power and Your love, we entrust ourselves, proclaiming indeed that You are good. Your steadfast love endures forever through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There are two notes in the bulletin which are so easy to overlook, yet very important. First note, uh, we see every single Sunday morning. It reflects our passion. It's on the front panel. The renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg and the world. We enjoy this passion through the grace and power of Jesus Christ in our corporate worship, discipleship, and mission. And related to that first note is the second note, which appears monthly, the monthly financial report. and includes a note of the general fund as of November 30th, 2020. This reflects your generosity through financial giving to support our worship, discipleship, and mission and passion. You'll see the note in the bulletin uh, this morning that we're falling short of budget by just over $42,700. So please remember the church in your year-end financial planning and giving. You'll see also for tax purposes that year-end donations for 2020 must be received or postmarked by Thursday, December the 31st. In response to the gospel as an act of worship, there are several ways to give your offerings to the Lord here at Rivermont. You may give by placing your gift in the offering plates in the narthex at the close of worship, by texting to 434-595-3833, by giving online to the Secure Rivermont website, by mailing your check to REPC 2424 Rivermont Avenue, Lynchburg, Virginia, 24503. You may also place your donation in the secure drop box located to the far left of the church office entrance.
Let us pray together. Almighty and gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise for all your goodness to us and over all creation. But above all, we give thanks for the gift of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, in whom alone we have life and peace and everlasting joy. In his name, we present this offering to you as a tangible sign of our trust in your care as creator and your grace as redeemer. And we pray that you will bless and multiply these tokens of our lives and use them for the sake of your kingdom throughout the earth to the glory of your name. Amen.
Children of God, hear now the Lord's blessing over you. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace this day and forevermore. Amen.